welcome back to Dante's Divine Comedy Podcast. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you're doing well. Hope you maybe have a cup of coffee if this is in the morning for you. And we're going to talk about the letter to Can Grande de la Scala in this episode. This is going to be more like a coffee talk, kind of just going through the main points of the letter and then seeing uh, what we can learn from it and also how it sheds some light upon the Divine Comedy, Paradiso, and also the whole work. So this letter was then directed to the patron of, of Dante Alighieri. So his name was then Can Grande de la Scala. He was then living in Verona, kind of the Lord of Verona. And it's a very famous epistle. This is number 13, kind of the last epistle. The dating is a little bit uncertain, but it's assumed to be between 1316 and 1320. So during that time when Dante was writing the Paradiso and living then uh, for the most part in Ravenna. So, it opens up with the following. To the great and most victorious Lord, Lord Cangrande de la Scala, Vicar General of the Principate of the Holy Roman Emperor in the town of Verona and the municipality of Vicenza, his most devoted Dante Alighieri, Florentine in birth but not in character, wishes him a happy life through long years as well as a continuous increase in his glorious reputation. And then it continues with the outstanding praise of your magnificence, which watchful fame spreads abroad on flying wings and so on. <laughs> so this is the how he opens the letter. And then we're going to jump to uh, the parts where he is explaining the Paradiso, just pointing to a small uh, part of, of paragraph two, where he talks about friendships. Because Aristotelian philosophy is also very present in this in this letter. So he talks about friendships and then his relationship with Cangranda, and he talks about pleasurable and useful friendships. So this is a tiny aside, but it's uh, it's interesting to see how he's taking in the idea that Aristotle thought about friendships like you have three main categories of friendships. You had the ones for pleasure, the ones for utility, and the ones for virtue kind of the character, respect someone for their character. And then the argument from Aristotle is that the first two ones will usually fade away after a little while. If they're based on some kind of utility, usefulness, or pleasure, those will be kind of temporary temporary basis for, for friendships. But if you have if you build a friendship upon respect for the other's virtue and their character, that tends to last for a much longer time. So this is just one part that Dante is, is mentioning here in the second paragraph. But then if we jump to paragraph 7, this is when he explains how to approach the work of the Divine Comedy and how to read it and interpret it. And this goes very much into the very established way of reading in the medieval and also the ancient times. So it says, quote, For me to be able to present what I'm going to say, you must know that the sense of this work is not simple, rather it may be called polysemantic, that is, of many senses. The first sense is that which comes from the letter, the second is that which is signified by the letter, and the first is called the literal, the second allegorical, or moral, or anagogical. So they're like you had one literal level and you have three symbolic, uh, allegorical, or kind of spiritual levels. Anagogical means 
ascending to the divine. So in a sense, it means to understand more, more deeply some of the kind of the divine realities, the ultimate realities. And then through this understanding, you will, you will get closer to, um, to knowing. And then also, as the medieval saw it, kind of aligning your own understanding and your own will with, with the divine realities. So Dante goes on here and explains uh, with an example. Which method of treatment, that it may be clearer, can be considered through these words? Quote, again, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a barbarous people, Judea was made his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. From the Psalms 113. If you look at it from the letter alone, it means to us the exit of the children of Israel from Egypt at the time of Moses. If from allegory, or like symbolic, it means for us a redemption done by Christ. If from the moral sense, which usually means kind of the right or wrong, so kind of the, the, the consequences of different types of actions, uh, it means to us the conversion of the soul from the struggle and misery of sin to the status of grace. If from the anagogical, it means the leave-taking of the blessed soul from the slavery of this corruption to the freedom of eternal glory. And just, uh, it might be helpful to remember that sin in this case means missing the mark. It's the, the Greek word is taken from archery and it's kind of not, not hitting what you are aiming for. So kind of a mistake in a sense. And though these mystical senses are called by various names, in general all can be called allegorical because they are different from the literal or the historical. Now, allegory comes from Greek alion, which in Latin means other or different. And that's the end of, of paragraph 7. So you have the literal and then you have the other ones which are kind of all called in a sense allegorical because they just mean they mean something else or different from the literal. So these four levels were the established way of interpreting texts, both like most medieval and ancient texts and also the biblical stories. It's very helpful to keep this in mind when reading and understanding different aspects of the Divine Comedy and the Paradiso and also all the things that Dante is trying to express and kind of communicate with his work. And then he gets more directly to the comedy in itself. So it says now in paragraph 8. Now that we have seen this, it is obvious that the subject around which the two senses turn must be twofold. And therefore, it is to be determined about the subject of this work when it is taken literally, then about the subject when it is understood allegorically. The subject of the whole work, taken only from a literal standpoint, is simply the status of the soul after death, taken simply. The movement of the whole work turns from it and around it. If the work is taken allegorically, however, the subject is man either gaining or losing merit through his freedom of will, subject to the justice of being rewarded or punished. This is very essential to understanding kind of the idea of of the three realms in the Divine Comedy. Like Inferno is describing, so then in a sense, the consequences of missing the mark, the consequences of making bad choices in life or acting in unhelpful ways. 
and then just having the timeless knowledge of the examples. There's no time in Inferno. It's just a, it's trying to suggest that these are the the eternal mechanics of the morals of of deceit and betrayal and fraud creates kind of it breeds bad consequences. And as the contrast, the third realm with paradise is the positive consequences of doing good actions and also in a kind of mechanic and timeless sense so there's also no time in in paradiso and then the second like the middle realm is a bit different there you also have time because that is more about changing changing from choosing like the mistakes to choosing the right things and then the whole process is kind of the whole <laughs> climbing of the mountain of purgatory Kind of climbing the mountain of virtue, understanding more about vices and virtues and how to, to change yourself and understanding that it takes time, it's hard work, but the rewards are, are really, really great. So it's a good investment to do this. Uh, but you get through the story also kind of help and support from indirectly from the story, but also directly from Virgil, who keeps... He keeps encouraging the pilgrim to like keep going and then giving some rest sometimes and knowing that this mountain, this process, as a mountain is different from, from uh, how mountains usually are because they get kind of steeper towards the top. But this symbolic mountain is steeper at the bottom and then it gets easier and easier and easier until the point Virgil says that climbing is like floating, floating down a river in a little boat. So that's kind of the uh, support and encouragement that he is giving. Okay, so uh, he also then briefly, with just uh, paragraph nine, he talks about the the form of three in in the comedy, which is very important, both like numerology and also kind of the technique and the structure. So he says, its form is twofold, the form of the treatise and the form of the treatment. The form of the treatise is threefold according to the threefold division. The first division is that by which the entire work is divided into three canticles, the three realms. The second is that by which each canticle is divided into cantos, so like 34, 33, and 33. The third, that by which each canto is divided into rhyming units, which is then the tercets, kind of the three, three lines in, in kind of units. And then also each line has in the original Italian, it has 11 syllables, and then with 3 times 11, you get 33 syllables. So each little tercet, each little unit has 33 syllables, which is also the symbolic of the three, which is maybe the most, most important numerology, symbolism uh, part that Dante has put into the work. Okay, and then we're just going to look a little bit about uh, from the paragraph 15, where he also is he's explicit about the meaning the practical meaning or purpose of the comedy. So he says, the purpose of the whole and part could be multiple, that is both remote and proximate. But leaving off subtle investigation, we can say briefly that the purpose of the whole as well as the part is to remove those living in this life from the state of misery and to lead them to the state of bliss or felicità in the Italian, the Latin. So this is the practical purpose from Dante. 
with writing this and having people reading it and then just moving them or helping them to move from misery to happiness. So those are the main uh, paragraphs that we wanted to just share here from the letter to Can Grande, to Dante's patron. It's uh, very helpful, especially to approaching the whole work for the first time. And um, again, this is the epistle 13, the last one of the, of the epistles we have uh, still from Dante. And um, hope some of this was interesting and also illuminating and also inspiring. And with that, just thank you so much for listening as always. Hope you're still having a great day and we'll see you again in another episode.